Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, Josh and I have a conversation with Dan Stump and Dave Martin about critical race theory. This is in follow-up to our prior episode on critical theory. We want to be a church who has open and honest conversations. We pray for a culture at GBC where we can have healthy disagreements agreements with one another because of the real unity we have in the gospel. All right, on today's episode, Josh and I are here and producer extraordinaire Jordan with two very special guests, Dan Stump and Dave Martin. Dan and Dave, thanks for joining Life Together. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tee up real quick what we're going to have a conversation around and then uh, have time for you to introduce yourselves and we'll jump right in. So we're having a conversation on today's episode about race, ethnicity, and specifically critical theory and even more specifically critical race theory. So we thought it'd be helpful to have a discussion with fellow GBC members. Both of you are very well-read, gracious, articulate. And so Josh and I were just thinking, hey, let's ask Dan and Dave on the podcast to talk about a potentially divisive topic, right? So two desired outcomes on this is that we help equip each other as a church family and how to think about race and ethnicity. What does the Bible have to say about these things? But then also hoping this conversation helps model how do we adorn the gospel in talking about really difficult things as the sirens going behind us in the background, (laughs) Uh, very difficult things in our time and place. So anyway, uh, it's kind of where we are. So first, I have a really important question for both of you, Dan and Dave. First, let's start with Dave. Dave, you are a long-term sports fan, huge basketball fan. If you were being introduced for your Portland Trailblazers, what would your walk-up music, intro music be? Go. Well, I'm going to say one that probably no one is familiar with. I just mentioned it to Josh a little earlier. It's a a song called Rumors of Glory by the Canadian singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn. It's a rollicking sounding song, so it's it's upbeat. That would be good intro, but also the, the theme of the song is kind of just about the rumors of glory that we see all around us in nature, in athletic performances. Um, to me as a Christian, that's a really enticing theme to be thinking about. Where do we see glimpses of glory? Oh, that's awesome. Cool. That's really cool. That's way better than Careless Whisper for sure. <laughs> so it's way better than anything I got. More pastoral than my yes. choice too. So yeah. it's good. All right, Dan, you are being introduced for your Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> what is your walk-up song? Is it bad to want? I, I want the Chicago Bulls yes. entrance music, and I don't even know if that's a song or not, or, or if somebody if that's just somebody on a keyboard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, want. I think you could just do it with your voice. That would <laughs> yeah. be really cool. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I just think that's a fun question to hear what people say. I've never I, given it any thought before, so okay, yeah. nor have I. That's okay. really disappointing. <laughs> <Yeah. it is. laughs> All right. Well, um, outside of what your intro song is, again, we wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, both longtime GBC members. Dan, you've been an elder. You lead the finance team on the men's ministry team. You lead a men's ministry Bible study, all of that. You've overseen community groups at Gresham Bible Church in the past. Dave, you've led um, multiple things at Gresham Bible Church, right? You, um, what was the name of the ethnicity group that you led? I just had a brain cramp. Multi-ethnic conversations, exactly. as we call it. Yeah. So you're both bringing a lot to the discussion. Uh, but outside of that, wanted to hear from both of you. Maybe spend a minute or two briefly introducing yourself. What should Gresham Bible Church know about you? Dave, let's start with you. Sure. I'm one of the founding members of Gresham Bible Church, mm -hmm. which people may not know. Uh, before that, I was a founding member of Cornerstone Church, which gave birth to Gresham Bible Church. So I've had the privilege of being on the ground floor of two church starts, which has been a great experience awesome. for Becky and me. Uh, I'm married to Becky. We'll be married 50 years this March, coming March. We have two kids in their early 40s and three grandkids. Uh, Becky's from the Salem area. Uh, we met at our first year of college here in Portland. So, um, yeah, besides that, I, my, my, really my driving ministry, um, callings, I believe are disciple making and diversity. Mm. Um, in other words, helping people trust and follow Jesus, which begins with evangelism and carries on through conversion and beyond. Uh, so just kind of helping people uh, get on that path and and then diversity by that I just mean um, I really have a, a burden on my heart to see unity in the church and um, one aspect of that unity is multi-ethnic unity which I think is crucial for reasons we'll talk about today in our society because race and ethnicity are such big issues yeah so um, so that the so that's the diversity part of my calling Um to to foster and catalyze unity within and among churches of Jesus so that as Jesus prayed, the world would see who he really is by our unity. And would you mind speaking to briefly an organization that you help spearhead? Yeah. So uh, four years ago, I launched uh, um, an organization here in Portland called uh, Mosaics PDX. So next month will be our fourth anniversary. And what we're trying to do is just bring people together who have the same uh, concern about unity and to get together monthly and talk about that, have guest speakers sometimes, um, or just talk among each other about some, some aspect of how we can experience and manifest the unity that Jesus has, has bought for us. So that's been a really good experience for me because it's being an introvert, I, I needed something to get me out there and meet other people. And this, this is a really good reason for me to get out and meet pastors of different ethnicities, different denominations, um, just different in a lot of ways, but we have a common commitment to the, to the gospel. And uh, that's the overriding um, thing that we want to, to see. We don't want unity for its own sake, ethnic yeah. unity for its own sake. We want it for the sake of making Jesus known to people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Dan, how about you? What should Gresham Bible Church know about you? Yeah, also um, a founding member. Dave, there's not many of us left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my wife 
Angela is um, uh, heading up the women's ministry at GBC. Um, we've been married for 20 years. I have two sons, Jake and Ty, who are 17 and 15. Um, yeah, we love Gresham Bible Church. I don't know what else to add. That's all good stuff. Feel free to ask follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah, I have lots of follow-up questions, but I'll <laughs> refrain at this point in time. So, all right. Well, before we dive in, I wanted to read us a verse. I hope it helps kind of capture what our aim is in this conversation. So, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. It's what we're coming to today to talk about race, ethnicity, CRT. Let's have 1 Peter 3, 8 in our minds. So it's just been praying that for our conversation today. So, um, yeah. And before we dive in, Josh, anything specific you feel is important to say at this point or just bring up? Uh, not really, other than, I again, just kind of echoing what you've said initially, that I think these conversations are really important. And we've wanted to bring them into the forefront of our church's life because people are talking about them often behind closed doors in their own echo chambers. I think there's a lot of fear around talking about um, topics of race and things like that, fear of saying the wrong thing. And I think we just kind of have to get past that and um, hope that more people are benefited from the conversation. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. All right. Well, let's just dive in. Maybe someone is not familiar with critical race theory. I doubt it, but let's just start there. I don't know the best way to... um, enter the conversation. There's a lot of different pathways. Let's just start kind of more generic and high level. What is critical race theory? Dave, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I don't have a well thought out um, version of a definition right in front of me here, but let me just try to highlight maybe three or four of the key elements of it as I understand them. It's it this theory, this body of um, belief and opinion comes out of uh, the idea that uh, really originally a Marxist idea that society is all about power differentials. In other words, there are oppressors and there are oppressed. And that's, that is, in the eyes of this theory, the proper way to understand human societies. So another related aspect of that of this is what they call intersectionality meaning that you might be a member of an oppressed group let's say you might be a woman well between males and females males are the oppressors females are the oppressed but on the other hand you might be a white female well whites are the oppressors and people of color are the oppressed so you might be simultaneously an oppressor and a, and an oppressed person and there are multiple ways uh, that uh, critical race theorists uh, slice up oppressed groups so uh, you know you might be male white christian heterosexual even right-handed you're you know you're <laughs> if you're left-handed you're part of an oppressed group because you experience disadvantages uh, in society because society is set up for right-handed people in a lot of ways. Well, in a similar way, critical race theory would say society is set up to benefit white people. Whites are the oppressors, and that's kind of the predominant concern of critical race theorists as opposed to just critical theorists in general. So they would say that um, when an oppressed 
group like white people uh, get get in that position, they're not going to give it up. They're going to do everything they can to maintain their position of power. Uh, so they they then go back in history and interpret the colonization and the founding of our country and everything that's transpired since then through this lens of whiteness or white supremacy. Okay. And everything is explainable in those terms. Um, they would also, let me just say one more thing. I'm sure I'm leaving some important things out here, but uh, they would also say that um, uh, knowledge and meaning are socially constructed. They're not, there's no such thing as objective or absolute truth. Uh, truth is to be found in the, mainly in the experiences of oppressed people. That's the most important source of knowledge that we should pay attention to. And so as, it, as this whole thing has evolved, you find rather strange sounding statements like, <clears throat> excuse me, whiteness is, uh, whiteness is behind the scientific method. Whiteness is behind the whole idea that there can be objective um, values. Even, you know, this is even invaded math, which is Dan's main field. Of, uh, we need to take a critical look at math and say, well, you know, two and two doesn't necessarily equal four. That's just a socially constructed conclusion of white white thinking. So it leads you to some what sound like some pretty weird conclusions. Yeah. But that is um, one of the issues we'll probably talk about is how do you view truth and what's the source of truth and knowledge? I'll stop there, and I'm sure no, I'm that, missing something. That's super helpful. <laughs> no, that's that's super helpful. I'm nervous though. That two and two doesn't equal four anymore. <laughs> I'm a little. <laughs> that's what I believe. So we, it, you can laugh at it, and it, yeah. it and it is at some level laughable. I do feel like, um, but yeah, I, I've taught with people who buy in wholesale to this whole thing, mm. um, and it's hard to have a conversation with them at a certain point where, uh, yeah, it's tough. Um, I would also maybe add, I think what Dave said was right on. Um, I think it primarily sees racism no longer as individual feelings or actions, but as structural issues, systemic, institutional. So we got to tear down these structures um, and and then kind of the, the oppressed get to rebuild society. Um, so... Yeah, you get a, um, guys like Ibram Kendi, who wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist, will say things like what the only, um, oh man, I'm going to mess the quote up, but the, the only um, response basically to discri uh, uh, present and past discrimination is future discrimination. So we make things right by discriminating in the opposite direction. That's why we make up from for past discrimination hmm. um, and that should probably chafe it a Christian yeah you know so so this conversation is huge and we can go a multitude of ways but I just wanted to kind of speak to th thank you both for your comments hey generally here's kind of a synopsis of CRT uh, let's take it a step further what's the best way to view CRT? And we might have differences of opinion here, even in this room, and, and that's okay. We can talk through that. But here's my question. Is CRT a worldview? Why or why not? And picturing the room, I'm just going to go around and ask you each to respond. So Dan, is CRT a worldview? I mean, I I think so. It It's possible, I guess, to embrace elements that wouldn't 
require if you don't buy the whole thing um, where you might not say that. But if if you are required to view um, yourself as an oppressor or oppressed and everybody else as an oppressed or oppressed person, um, it's hard that that kind of totalizes things. Um, so I have to see the world a certain way um, at its foundational level with CRT. Um, so I would lean towards yes. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's like a right or wrong. There's a lot that could be said, but for the sake of conversation. So Josh, is CRT a worldview? Well, I'd be curious what uh, Dave would have to say too. Uh, but I mean, the, I think anything that is informing the way that you see the world and understand people and mm -hmm. problems and goals and hopeful outcomes, I think is a worldview in and of itself because it's helping me make sense of reality and how I'm supposed to interact with people and what I'm supposed to be spending my time doing in order to um, be involved in this world in a way that's bringing about good. You know, and so I think if, if this is coloring how you see humanity and problems, then I think definitely at some level it has to be worldview. Okay. Dave, is CRT a worldview? Yes and no. Okay. You'll probably hear me quite a bit having equivocal <laughs> responses like that because Good, I'm kind like of it. a moderate. It's like Yoda or something. I don't know. <laughs> Pardon me? You're like Yoda or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think I tend to fall kind of in the middle of the spectrum on a lot of issues um, out of my desire to honestly hear both sides of an issue. You know, there's that verse in Proverbs that I'm paraphrasing it, but, you know, one person can state their case and it sounds great until the person with the other side comes forward. And then, oh, all of a sudden it's not so black and white. So uh, and then the verse in James about being quick to listen and slow to speak, and especially in areas that you may not have much personal knowledge or experience mm -hmm. with. So I really try to keep those principles in mind when I look at something like this. So for, obviously for many people, it is a worldview. For people like Ibram Kendi or Robin DiAngelo, who wrote the book White Fragility, yeah, it's it's a worldview, and it's antithetical to Christianity. Um, but for others, and many Christians would be in this camp, they would say it can be a useful analytic tool in pointing out how our race, our racialized society has evolved, um, how, how oppression le uh, legitimately has occurred. Uh, throughout our nation's history mm -hmm. and uh, just understanding, you know, just how, how we deal with it, how we tend to react to these things, either in a positive, helpful way or a reactive, defensive way. So, yeah, I think um, I would not be one to throw, off, throw the whole thing out the window. Uh, it doesn't have to be a worldview, but it is for many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Follow-up question. Again, there's so much that could be... Uh, bounce around, ask, stop. We're having this conversation because hopefully it's helpful. Uh, to Josh's point earlier, people are asking this stuff of one another, of friends, but let's have the conversation in the podcast to kind of spur conversation. We're trying to think about it most importantly through a biblical lens. So CRT, to kind of jump off of what Dave just said, what do you think can be affirmed? What do you think should be rejected? And I'm trying to say this in the most gracious way, right? So what can be affirmed in CRT? Or if you don't think there can be anything, you can say that. What should be rejected? Again, we're thinking primarily as Christians. Just go. Dave, I'd actually love to hear your thoughts more about what you would affirm and how you would use it as a tool. 
Sure. And then maybe I can think through that to sure. respond. Sure. No, that's a great question. I think that um, let's just start with something like white fragility. I, I first read Robin D'Angelo's book by that title, oh, maybe two, three years ago. And it was just all the rage. It was on the top of the bestseller list. And on my first reading of it, I thought, man, there's some really good stuff in here. I, this is helping me understand some of my own past and present discomfort with, with the whole topic of, of race, some of my defensiveness, some of the stereotypes that I grew up kind of absorbing. Um, but then I started uh, thinking more about it and some of the assumptions behind behind things that she says. And then I started reading some critiques of the book from a Christian standpoint by Neil Shenvey and other people. And uh, I came to an overall opinion, a very negative overall opinion of the book. So my first reaction was positive because I thought it helped give me some insights about myself mm. as a kind of a typical white person growing up in the U.S., but then the more I thought about it and some of the more absolute type statements she made about uh, all of us just having racism uh, woven into our very nature and that it's totally inescapable and, and uh, the best thing we can do is just to try, to try to become less white, in her words. So overall, my evaluation of that book is, is really quite negative, um, although I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't tell people just to stay away from it if they're interested in what what the kind of an extreme view of CRT is. That's a pretty good example. Um, so I, I the, the term white fragility might be triggering for some people who just have heard mainly the negatives about CRT. But I think there's some value in what's behind that term white fragility. It just speaks about our discomfort as whites in kind of engaging on this topic. Okay. Um, so that would be one. Um, another uh, value is uh, when they talk about white uh, privilege. Again, it could be a triggering term for, for some people, but I think um, I read, I reread just recently a, a 1989 paper by a sociologist named Peggy McIntosh. Uh, she kind of really brought the whole idea of white privilege into the public awareness. And so her, her, her paper on that is kind of the, the gold standard on the subject of white privilege. And she talks about the invisible knapsack of privileges and advantages that white people are kind of born with in this country. I think, uh, again, she's coming from a CRT viewpoint, but I don't, I don't throw her out just on that basis. I think uh, white privilege properly understood is, is a real thing. And... It's not something, it's not necessarily even a bad thing. It's just a reality that it, you have certain advantages in this country because of your skin color. And um, the problem is that not all people have those advantages or those privileges. And so we should, I think, I think we should use our privilege where we, where we have it to uh, advance quality, equality and freedom for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I, I would see some value there. I, I'll just mention one more systemic injustice or structural injustice, systemic racism. There are different terms for it, but it's the idea, as Dan alluded to, that race through the CRT lens is not just seen as an individual as, uh, individual problem of malice or, um, you know, um, uh, hatred of people of a different 
race um, and CRT thinking, that is almost beside the point. You can say, I'm not racist. I don't have a hateful bone in my body. You can say all those things, and yet you still can be deeply infected by racism because you're part of a system that is kind of rigged in favor of white people and against people of color. Um, again, in its extreme CRT version, I would reject that, but, but I, uh, and I would say that sin is primarily as the Bible says, you know, it's, it's uh, missing the mark or it's, it's making ourselves God and instead of God being God, it's rebellion against our creator, all these ways that the Bible talks about sin, but sinful people create sinful systems. And so, uh, there are ways in which our legal system and our educational system and our hiring system and all these, uh, kinds of these things that allow us to function as a society have been colored by racial prejudice. And we've rooted a lot of those out of the legal system, uh, but they're still there in less formal ways. And they're yeah. felt, if you, if you get to know and have conversations with non-white people, as I have, uh, you begin to f- understand a little more why, why there's even such a thing as systemic racism. So I think those are some examples of things I think we could benefit from. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw it back. Dan, anything specifically at a high level that you think could be affirmed, should be affirmed in CRT? You know, it's, it's a tough one for me because I, I see critical race theory as a pretty big danger and very antithetical to Christianity and the gospel. Um, so, there's not very many things that are kind of these ideologies that are set up that way that we really seek to embrace pieces of. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like, all right, that's wrong. Um, and so I tend to be that way with CRT where there's not a lot that I would necessarily affirm where I think we need CRT to understand these things. I think some of the problems that Dave brought up, I would want us to think deeply about, but not through a CRT lens because I think that's going to end up um, leading us down some paths or potentially, um, seeking remedies that are not biblical. So, um, I think, you know, you could say, well, their desire for justice and to fight oppression, you know, we should, that's noble and we should agree with that. And I do, except then they kind of redefine what justice and oppression are. And so would I agree with their definition? No, I would want my definition to be more biblical. Um, so I don't, I'm kind of in the don't dabble too much with this stuff. Yeah, um, it's dangerous. Um, I think Dave is in a position where he is very well read and has talked with a lot of people. Um, and so I think if you really desire to dig deep, you should read widely. Um, and I think you, you can gain wisdom and how to mm-hmm. see both sides of it better as you do that. Um, but be careful if you're just kind of dabbling for the first time. Yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. Thanks. Uh, just full disclosure, my cards on the table, the backdrop to my question is as Christians, uh, Romans 12, two even comes to mind. We can and should be affirming and rejecting things. Um, 
in our time and place as Christians to see things right through God's point of view and what the Bible speaks to. So often it's not an either or. So to to your point, Dan, to say, hey, um, at some level you could say CRT or proponents, even back in the Frankfurt School, even if it's Marxist, there's an inclination as us as people, something's broken, something is not as it ought to be, which we as Christians would affirm, yes, this is a broken world. It's not as it ought to be. So I just want to help us have categories for things to affirm and reject uh, with discernment, biblical discernment, but not just to, you know, always see it as a, um, you know, easy answer, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I think that's helpful, though. I mean, because I, I think that's what's interesting about this whole conversation is we've talked about this, but there's a lot of fear around critical race theory in our society. Um, and there are real dangers um, that we should all really be uh, leery of, um, rightfully so. And I think even your question alone, like what would you affirm in critical race theory is a controversial question probably mm -hmm. for a lot of people because it's just this, I mean, the, even asking the question alone feels dangerous mm -hmm. um, to some Christians at least. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like what, at least how I'm interpreting your question is it's getting at um, maybe different ways of, of viewing it. Yeah. Whereas, um, cause I feel like what you're saying, Dave, and I, I would affirm that like what Dan said, that you're definitely someone who, um, reads, reads widely, reads well, like the way that you even think. And I know I have so many conversations with you. I know your foundation. I know where you're coming at it from things from a discipleship perspective and all this kind of stuff. And so I think the way that you even think about things, um, is, is really, um, uh, I would say rare in what I find with a lot of people. Um, I'd say the same is, would be even true for you, um, Dan. And so even what I'm hearing what you say, Dave, is it sounds like you're basically saying critical theorists are talking about these different things like white privilege, fragility, systemic racism, for example. And some people would say, I just believe these things because it's what critical theory has told me is true. And Am I accurate in saying that like you're just looking at those areas and saying, um, I think experientially and how I've reacted at times to things or, or even just through your own uh, Christian perspective, you're saying there's some overlap maybe in what you're experiencing and maybe from what you're saying, Dan, I wholeheartedly agree that I, I, I don't know, maybe people disagree with me, but, uh, that in a way as Christians, like we don't need some outside source to come along to help us deal mm -hmm. with even understanding our, our hearts and whatever it is. Right. I mean, yeah, is that kind exactly, of your fear? That's that, like, exactly what I like. Yeah. So I think we can wrestle with our white fragility and recognize, wow, we tense up with this conversation and we don't need CRT to wrestle with that. We can read the Bible about how we should treat people and we can deal with it there. there. Um, when it comes to privilege, I think the Bible actually, so I think, I think white privilege can get overblown. I think there's a million privileges in the world um, that are innate and immutable. Um, I, uh, you know, go do a study on how cute a waitress is and how good her tips are. You're, I think how good looking people are, we can't help it. It's probably going to affect everything in every life. That explains why I didn't get many tips when I worked at Sherry's. Thank <laughs> you. It explains why I've never been hired as a waiter. So the whole intersectionality so, yeah. is, is skewed in a way um, to kind of highlight certain privileges. 
privileges in the Bible are opportunities for gratitude to God. Okay, so my parents are still married. I mean, I literally, in and this was probably five, six years ago now, had a training at my school. I called it the intersectionality perp walk. They lined our entire staff up and we had to walk through the commons and they would say things like, if you're white, take a step forward. If you're a male, take a step forward. If you're mm-hmm. a Christian, take a step forward. If your parents are still married, take a... And so, you know, like I'm out there <laughs> in front looking back at everybody feeling all awkward. And but. I think a lot of times CRT is trying to make people feel bad for those things. Um, instead, I'm grateful for those things. Not necessarily some of them. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. care about some of them. But like, I'm grateful that my parents are still married. Why would this be a reason for shame? It shouldn't be. Um, and I think we can deal with. I, I think it needs to be said that where we find systemic racism, that is a real thing, and we should want to fight it. I think a lot of times people who are like me on the more conservative side want to act like racism is no longer a big deal. And compared to where we were 60 years ago, things have gotten incredibly improved. They're much better. That needs to be recognized. But at the same time, we have sinful hearts. And so, and racism is not even a great word for it probably, but partiality is the Bible would call it ethnic mm-hmm. partiality, which mm-hmm. could be negative. Like Dave talked about malice or hatred. It could be positive in like a pride sense. My race is better than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, those things, uh, again, we can find from reading our Bibles and not needing CRT. But I think we do need to, going back to my thought there, we need to call that stuff out and not gloss over when we see um, significant disparities. This is where CRT, you know, Kendi again says, when I see a, dispar- a racial disparity, I see racism. And a lot of times racial disparities have nothing to do with racism. Um, it could, and that's where I feel like uh, on the conservative side of things, we need to admit that it could mean racism. So let's go mm-hmm. see what is underlying a lot of that stuff. Most of the time, it's a class issue. It's not a race issue um, Mm. or some other issue. But we need to be open to the idea that there's racial prejudice involved and then we need to fight against it and Mm. want to change those kinds of systems. Um, Don't be blind to the idea that that could still be around. So again, I don't think CRT helps us. um, We we don't need it to identify those things and I don't think it will be helpful in seeking an answer to them. That's kind of where I come down on it. So it sounds like, would it be safe to say there's mutual agreement in this room that as Christians, we don't agree with CRT's assessment of like the root cause of um, racism, racial injustice, racial partiality? Would we, as Christians, we disagree there, right? Between Mm -hmm. CRT and- I think even Dan's point just now, I think it's a good point point and I agree with that like um, like the idea of privilege or um, having this you know like the fact that you have parents still together or you grew up as a Christian or something if that puts you in an advantage I think it's worth understanding that but Mm -hmm. I think the way that the Bible would speak about that is that like we're always supposed to use anything God has given us number one yeah be grateful but to then out of that gratitude and overflow to be a blessing to other people I mean that's always how Mm -hmm. blessing is is, or anything I've received is is used it's to steward it's to be a blessing to the people and we look in the face of Christ for that example in and of itself that he had everything and yet he used everything mm-hmm. he had to um, give his own life for the benefit of me that I mean I'm I have um, my salvation purchased with his blood um, not because of anything I did but because of what he's done for me and so um, 
I don't know if I'm hearing you correctly, but I mean, that's how I'm hearing what you're saying is that mm-hmm. even the Bible would talk about these things. It wouldn't deny these things, mm-hmm. but it would talk about them very differently. Whereas maybe the example you're using in the school uh, setting that you had, um, it was to really maybe shame you is how you least you interpreted that, right? Yeah. And versus like, Dan, be a blessing to other people. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Or, or like, but you should feel horrible for who you are. And, I, and, deal, and they wouldn't yeah. say that. And I want to be right, honest right. about that. Okay, like, I even good. asked, what what was the point? What do you like? And obviously, it's awkward for me. And there's <laughs> a few other white Christian males that were out there. Um, but what are you hoping to accomplish with this? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine it's just a shame. Well, no, no. We, you know, we just want you to have understanding. And that they didn't have a good answer for why we did it, yeah. which is a b- bad um, in the first place. Then why are we doing it? But yes, I, we can recognize privilege. I just don't need think we need to recognize it as a, a bad thing. Um, and some of them you just can't level. I can't mm-hmm. make somebody prettier or uglier. <laughs> they're just going to live with that privilege. Um, and that's okay. God made them that way. So we need to recognize that God made us a certain way. God made every guy in this room, a male and white, you know, he saved every one of us. So there's certain things that we can't do anything about and shouldn't want to. And it's okay. Like we can recognize mm-hmm. that, but yes, where we have opportunity, we should want to bless people with what we have. And that's you know, the foundations of the yeah, Abrahamic promise. Could I just push back a little bit yeah, on that? please. Uh, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of privileges that are unearned. They're gifts of God. They're, you could call them common grace, uh, maybe. Um, but there are other privileges that, that I as a white person have, such as not being followed by security when I'm in a store or not being mm-hmm. pulled over for some flimsy reason. Uh, by a policeman, which these are actual things that actual people I know have experienced, mm-hmm. people, people of color. So there are those some of those kind of privileges that because of your skin color in our society, you, you don't have to deal with some of those stresses and aggravations. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, another thing um, that I was going to say about about that is, or, or just about the general idea of, do we need CRT? Um, no, I don't think we need it. But again, I think there are some things in it that could be seen as common grace, just in terms of insights that are helpful to us. Um, if you take other fields, such as counseling, I think it'd be pretty hard to find a Christian counselor who hasn't benefited in some way from the writings of non-Christian uh, therapist, uh, Freud, Jung, Carl Rogers, uh, B.F. Skinner, these non-Christian uh, sociologists and psychologists of the 20th century. Um, now, I, on the whole, the world you would reject the worldview of these people, but they had some interesting, helpful insights. In the area of economics, for example, I mean, if you're a capitalist, if you believe that capitalism is the least bad economic system, uh, you, you're you're dependent, or you 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 uh, you owe something to Adam Smith, who wrote mm-hmm. The Wealth of Nations a long time ago. He wasn't a Christian, as far as I know. I think he was an atheist. Um, don't quote me on that, but you know you would appeal you to did. some of the yep. insights that he had in developing his economic theories. So I guess in a in a similar way, I mean, we can see these kind of contributions um, as part of common grace. Or let me take another controversial one, evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you work in science and biological science, you you probably owe some debt to Charles Darwin, not for his worldview, but because he had some very keen insights into how the biological world works. And again, I don't think you would need to throw all of those out because he was not a Christian or because he he was really actually trying to come up with an alternative to a to a theistic mm-hmm. worldview. Uh, but that doesn't mean that none of his insights have any have any merit. I yeah. would see some of that as common grace too. I think that's actually I was actually I thought it was interesting you brought that up because I was thinking about that especially as it relates to psychology, counseling, mm-hmm. how many how the church has been dramatically influenced by um, kind of uh, secular people who mm-hmm. developed different theories and brought them into practice. And it is interesting how I think that has really shaped how a lot of people do do counseling. And there's a difference between Christian counseling and non-Christian sure. counseling. And that's obviously true, but even there's good Christian counselors and bad Christian counselors. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, even, even time I heard someone say, Oh, this person's a Christian counselor. I'm always like, well, what kind of Christian counselor, you know? <laughs> sure. So, um, but I think what you're saying is actually a really important point because no matter what it is that we're dealing with in our society, we're always supposed to be assessing it against the backdrop of yep. truth, mm-hmm. which I mean, you brought up at the beginning, how do you even decide what truth is in our society? At Christians, we have a very distinct view of where truth comes from. And you assess it against that backdrop so you know what to accept and what to reject. And I think there is, which probably has grown from a concern that people will not think very clearly about stuff, which I think society proves that people don't mm-hmm. always think very clearly about things. Myself will be included in that. Um that it's easier than just to have a sense of fear and to reject, right? To say, well, uh, you know, that person, you know, Freud's not a believer or whatever it is, so I'm just not going to accept anything that this person has to say, even if it were to be helpful. I think that's maybe where this question that you originally stated is even coming from, right? I mean, and I think that's why we're coming at it maybe from different perspectives a little bit. Uh, At least that's what I'm hearing is um, because there's some maybe who would think like, we don't need that. And whereas I don't think that's necessarily what you're saying. I don't want to speak for you, Dave, but um, at the same time, you're saying these things have, have come to us and they've this in this specific area, whatever it is, has proven to be helpful because um, it's drawn out this insight that I wouldn't have had maybe if it weren't for that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you, if you want to get, really technical about it you or theologically um, razor sharp I don't or precise you know you, you would say well yes scripture is sufficient all scripture is God breathed and useful for all these different things teaching reproving correcting training and righteousness um, and there are other verses that would point to the sufficiency of scripture Amen. Um, but uh, so strictly speaking, yeah, if you just had scripture and nothing else, no influence from any of these other sources, you could live a godly life, you know. But the question is, do, is it necessary to do that? Um, we're just, we are influenced by many, many things uh, along along the mm-hmm. road of life. And our thinking is affected not just by scripture, but by other other kinds of wisdom that God in his common grace has given to people. I mean, we trust we trust engineers to build airplanes that will keep us in the air. They don't have to be Christians to be good engineers. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of mm. a lot of areas in life where 
uh, we we can be thankful for God's common grace, just as we can be common f- uh, be thankful for uh, the privileges that we enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to. Oh, you go ahead. Dan. Well, I was just gonna say. I, I mean, I think. You guys know this. I'm not saying we can't learn from unbelievers. I've learned a ton about race from unbelievers um, as I've read books on this very topic. That's not my argument at all. But I think we see people like John McWhorter, um, Vody Bauckham and others who make a pretty compelling case that this anti-racism is a new religion. I mean, that's where I just want I want people to generally be very careful when dealing Mm -hmm. with this stuff. That's what I would Mm say. It's not like there's no insights that are coming from this field that don't line up with truth. My question is, do we need to go to CRT if we can find that insight elsewhere and we can protect people from mm-hmm. the potential dangers of CRT? Mm-hmm. I think Neil shouldn't be talking about this idea of should we eat the meat and spit out the bones? Yeah, sometimes on certain things, but then there's others like Elijah didn't look at the Jews and tell him to eat the meat and spit out the bones of Baalism or things like mm-hmm. that. Like. Um, so I just think generally we need to tread very carefully with this stuff. That's where I'm coming now. Well, I would even say too, I agree with that. And I'd, I'd say too, even my concern as a pastor often, is just like, where am I telling people to run mm-hmm. to for their source? Like where they're primarily, what fountain are they drinking from? Because I've had many friends, even friends in this area uh, who live in this area who have um, gone to the wrong well for too long mm-hmm. to where now they've so blended their Christianity that doesn't look like anything the Bible talks about Christianity is. It has, and I think that was where maybe people's concerns have been over the history of the last hundred years. For some people, um, the gospel has just so blended into, the only thing that matters is this sort of social gospel, right? That um, the only thing that matters is what we do here and now on this earth and the impact we make um, in terms of people's practical, physical living and that sort of thing. And I go, yeah, if that's where the fountain I'm consistently drinking from is going to lead me and I'm not going to have any spiritual concern of people's souls or proclamation of the gospel, that kind of thing, that's 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 very dangerous, right? That's going to lead people astray mm-hmm. away from actually what we believe is the problem and the solution and the hope. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the main concern, right? Yeah. And I, you mentioned earlier, like, I think people recognize that there's something wrong and something broken right. in our world. And CRT has no gospel. There's only a perpetual works-based righteousness if you're right. And if you're, if you're white, sorry. And if you're not white, then you don't even need the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> you're already okay. Um, and so, but people still feel that brokenness and Christianity actually has the answer. We have the answer with the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't want to get caught up in other stuff and forget that we have the answer to this core yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. I want to move the conversation along. I just want to say this. I appreciate this conversation already. And just looking oh, yeah. at you uh, in this room, even though this is an audio podcast, uh, just the posture, we want to be filled with grace and truth. We want to work out our discernment muscles as a church family to think about mm. these things through a biblical Christian lens. And to Josh's point, what fountain are we drinking from? Are we finding life in? And then secondly, I think it's just important to just say real quick to color the conversation. If you look at all of church history, isn't a common trend that we're leaning towards uh, syncretism, right? And we want to uh, not do that. And so we need to talk about this kind of stuff. What are the idols in our culture? What are those false gospels? And yet do it in a gracious kind of way in a charitable kind of way filled with wisdom and being winsome. So I, anyway, I hope that's, uh, 
how this conversation is coming across. That, that's our intent. So, so let's move to, we've kind of bounced around the idea, can we affirm anything? Why are we not? Let's uh, pivot and move towards the um, negative side of the conversation. What about CRT should the Christian reject and why? And real quick, I have to say this. I know Josh and I talked about this in our, our earlier episode about uh, ethnicity and partiality and even CRT. We are not, what we're going to say right now is not to um, uh, silence or not be sensitive to those that have experienced racial injustice, uh, racial partiality. The church in American history has not been in step with the gospel mm -hmm. often about issues of race. And I just want to say that as clearly as I can. So we, again, first Peter three, eight, we're coming to this with sympathy, brotherly love. Um, we, uh, mourn and lament over those things. Uh, and, and so I don't want, when we critique CRT for a listener to come away with, oh, GBC doesn't think there's such a thing as racial injustice or anything. I am nowhere close to that. So anyway, sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit. I'm supposed to be one asking questions. So let, 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 let's talk. What are, we only have, you know, we don't have hours and hours, but what are those things as a Christian that you need to reject about CRT and why? Let's start with, I started to my left this last time. I'm starting out to my right. Dave, how about we start with you? What should be rejected and why? Sure. Well, we, I think we need to start maybe with the, who. what does it mean to be human? Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I just think there's a um, irreconcilable difference between Christianity and CRT as a worldview there. Um, we believe that humans are glorious beautiful, wonderful, amazing creations of God created in his own image to be kind of sub-regents or sub-rulers over his creation to order it, to, to nourish, to protect it. Uh, but we're fallen at the same time. So we're, we're glorious but fallen hmm. creatures made in the image of God. Uh, CRT um, sees this again through the lens of we're either oppressors or oppressed. They don't even really deal directly with where do we come from, but they just start with naturalistic assumptions that there's really nothing else out there that we just kind of construct meaning all on our own. And so what they come up with is they, they look at people in this way. Yeah. And then as Dan has already alluded to, then that leads to a view of sin that, uh, is all wrapped up with this, which end of the spectrum are you on? Being oppressed gives you moral virtue and moral authority in, in the CRT worldview. You're automatically correct or morally right, virtuous, by vir just by virtue of being an oppressed person. Uh, and on the other hand, if you're an oppressor, uh, shut up because you're going to be wrong <laughs> in whatever you say. Mm -hmm. your, your knowledge, your experience uh, don't don't have value because you're just interested in protecting your power. So those are, I mean, those are a couple of starting points. The, the doctrine of creation, anthropology or man, you know, and, and then um, this issue of sin that's related to the doctrine of man. What is sin? Yeah. So already there's something there that is antithetical that's opposed. Christianity would reject that 
presupposition that's baked in the CRT. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's one thing. Let's just go around the room. Josh, what should the Christian reject about CRT? Well, I mean, you were kind of getting at what I what came to my mind initially is just that I think it um, it dehumanizes certain people. So uh, t- that's my understanding of how it's received is that, yeah, if you're in a position that you're a male and white, then it, the goal is to kind of like tear you down, right? Mm-hmm. And um, th- so there really is not that sense of imago Danis full of worth and dignity and equality, you know, no matter who you are. And I think, I mean, that's a huge misstep right from the gate, right? So mm-hmm. the goal isn't just that, like, for someone like me, I would protect my power, but that I would use whatever I have to benefit other people, right? No matter who I am or... Um, uh, yeah, so I think that's a huge problem um, right away. I think even the problem in even assessing that, like, which I think we talked about this a little bit, was just that if I raise up a different person who has a different ethnicity or social class or gender, or whatever have you, that the problems will be fixed. The problems won't be fixed because the problem is that we're all sinful, fallen people who wrongfully use what we've been given to benefit other people, right? And so um, even the solution to the problem is not just that a, a person with a different skin color, for example, in this conversation alone will fix any problems, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that there's no benefit. I think um, when you have people who come to the table with different background and culture and skin color, for example, I mean, you you learn about people and understand people groups that you're trying to lead and shepherd in a different way, right? But at the same time, it it doesn't like fix the problems that CRT at least seems like it's trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. So if you misplace the problem, you're going to misplace the solution. Um, we touched on this, but I think there's zero category for forgiveness, yeah. at least how I've experienced it, which f- from a Christian perspective is a huge problem. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, there's no category for forgiveness and desire for reconciliation and um, true equality. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we're really out of step with the gospel there. I mean, we're just going to destroy one another. Um, And we're going to be overly defensive and not come to grips with our own sin and our own problem, Mm -hmm. which on that final day will um, leave us in a really bad spot if I haven't dealt with my own sin and my own problem. So that's good. I mean, those are just some fundamental like Christian responses that I would say really missed the mark. Yeah. Needs to be said, Dan, what should the Christian reject about CRT? I think one of my biggest concerns is with, um, those who are considered the oppressed and what we end up doing to, in this case, minorities, black people, primarily, um, in any other situation where somebody has been the victim of something. We don't want that to become part of their identity, whether it's a mugging, a sexual Mm -hmm. assault situation, like there's tons of counseling to help them move forward and not see their whole world through that one incidence. And I feel like this is teaching people the opposite of that. And it does a lot of harm. Um, I was talking to a black pastor recently who said, yes, I've been uh, victimized by racial abuse and profiling and whatnot, but I refuse to be a victim. I'm not going to stay in that Hmm. perpetual victimhood. And I think because racism still exists, Mm -hmm. you'll always be able to find an example. Even if it wasn't done to you, there'll be examples out there in the world um, so that you can live feeding on that. But what an unhealthy 
place to be. And yeah. I, so I, I see this end up being like racism gets assumed everywhere. And I don't think that's healthy. Um, I don't think that's a, a biblical way we should even, we're not called to assume the worst about everybody though. I think we need to balance, um, assuming good things about people with total depravity. Yep. Um, but you know, you see, I saw many godly black men after the George Floyd thing, for example, um, say that could have been me. And on one hand, I, I genuinely want to grow in compassion, but I, I also want it to be <laughs> tethered to the truth. And I want to go, no, you, you wouldn't have been high on fentanyl and you wouldn't have been using counterfeit money in a store and you wouldn't have been resisting arrest. That wouldn't have been you. You would have handled that completely different at every turn and you probably would have never been in the situation in the first place. So I don't want to assume all those kinds of things because, uh, yeah, I think um, in this book, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, he talks about some studies that were done that show, I'm just going to pull it up real quick, that, that show... Um, the kind of harm that it does when um, he says there's abundant research demonstrating harm caused by heightened perceptions of racism, discrimination, racialized violence, and racial inequality. There are very well-established and highly adverse impacts of the psychological and even physical well-being of people of color when they perceive more racism, racial inequality, and discrimination. We have ample reason to believe that sensitizing people to better perceive and take greater offense at these slights would actually cause harm. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I, I worry that with good motivation to want to help people, we're actually harming people. Okay. I think CRT does that. Okay. Um, I just want to add real quick. There could be a lot of things for us to, um, you know, critique CRT about, right? To say, no, as a Christian, I reject that premise or that implication. So I'm not trying to say the things we've said are only those things, but I do think it's important that we have a category also for CRT. I don't know the best way to articulate this. None of us in this room are saying we're experts on any of this stuff. We're, we're trying to be thoughtful and biblical. It's just inherently incomplete on the front end and back end on its creation narrative and on its glory narrative. Like it just doesn't start in a complete enough place of what the root cause or the problem is, right? Like the premise that it's all intersectionality. Dave, I think you brought this up in some conversations we've had prior. You know, if you were to drop that CRT's ultimate premise in the middle of the concentration camp in World War II, would all of those people say, yeah, our ultimate problem is this type of oppression? Uh, no at different times and places. So I, I just think it's incomplete in that premise, but also as believers, like we should be hopeful in this ethnic discussion, even though there's so much hurt and pain and sin, like revelation five, or revelation seven, like God created ethnicities to display his glory. Like there's different skin mm -hmm. colors and ethnicities because that's how God made it. You know, and like we're going to worship around his throne as every tongue and nation and tribe, ethnicity is what it's saying there. So anyway. And just, we all reflect his glory. And we reflect yeah. his glory and it's beautiful. And so yeah. Yeah. I don't know, just like the the trajectory or aim um, is not Christian either. Mm -hmm. So, And Mike, if I could please. just add to what you're saying. Uh, one thing that really works against CRT as, a, as an overarching way of understanding the world is it's so inadequate because, yeah, if you drop it down in other places or situations, it, it just doesn't work mm -hmm. because whiteness is not an issue. Um, you can go to any number of cultures where everybody's black or everybody's brown. And what do you have? 
ethnic hatred, mm. ethnic partiality, tribe on tribe, even yep. family on family sometimes. Um, it's a universal human condition. And uh, the Bible explains that very well. CRT yeah. is mainly geared toward uh, a country like the U.S. with with our particular set of problems. It makes yeah. some sense in this context, but there are so many others there where it's just kind of irrelevant yeah. way of understanding things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I appreciate you saying that, Dave, and we'll, we'll move on here in a minute, but just to lean into the completeness and beauty and glory of what the Bible speaks to about justice. It speaks to the totality of things, to the problem, to the solution. Uh, it's not captive to a specific culture, time and place, just all of that. So, all right. Um, I know this has been a long podcast episode, but I, I at least want us to speak to here for a few minutes. So I, I hope the listeners hearing GBC's heartbeat, the heartbeat of all of us around this room with these microphones in front of our faces for um, all ethnicities, right? The beauty of what God's created for ethnic justice, however you want to phrase it. And yet, I want to give us a few minutes to speak to why do we want that? Why is that in Gresham Bible Church's, you know, values? Why do we want um, ethnic justice? Is that an end in and of itself? I just want to bounce that around for a few minutes. So maybe I'll kind of throw this out to the room, so to speak, rather than calling on someone. What is the aim for your heartbeat for ethnic justice? Sure, I, I could start. Uh, you know, I think my motivation four years ago in launching this Mosaics Network was to just gather people who believe that our unity is in Christ is is critical, and one of the ways that that unity unity could be most made visible is for the world around us to see people of different ethnicities because we live in such a multi-ethnic society to see people going across those barriers and and acting like family, Mm -hmm. like brothers and sisters. Um, So it's not... It's not diversity for diversity's sake, in my view. In fact, in the last four years that we've been having monthly meetings, we've never discussed CRT. And we had a whole series of 13 monthly meetings that we called Learning from Black Pastors. And we had a panel of three black pastors uh, speak to us. And it wasn't because, as CRT would say, we think that they're morally superior to us white people. That wasn't it at all. It was. It came out of the recognition that most of us white people have had not not had the chance to sit down and listen to the life experience of our black brothers and sisters, and it's a real revelation when you do that. And yeah. I've gone out of my way to cultivate friendships with not just African Americans but Chinese Americans, Hispanics, etc. And those those relationships have been really enriching and have helped me to um, understand the perspective of being one of those so-called oppressed mm-hmm. minority groups, um, to hear it straight from them. And uh, they're not the, the people that I know the, um, who fit into that category are not bitter. They're, they don't have a victim mentality, but they'll... If if they trust you, they'll be they'll be honest about yep. some of the negative ways that our society has kind of impacted them mm-hmm. uh, because of their skin color. So I I need to know that um, I feel because I want to deepen my my bonds of friendship and brotherhood and sisterhood with 
with those people because I think if we as we move in that direction, our churches should, and I think they will, more and more reflect the the um, multi ethnic demographic makeup of the communities we're in. I think we we white folks uh, have some blind spots there when we think that our churches are more welcoming than they actually are to people from minority groups. So I, I think that's worth working on. But again, toward the end of what Jesus prayed for in John 17, that this is, Francis Schaeffer writing in the late 20th century said, this is the final apologetic, the love that we have for each other, that that, uh, that we do that, that we behave that way in such a way that the world can actually notice Amen. this supernatural thing that God has done to bring us together in Christ. Amen. Well said. And I love your comments because you're living into that. Dave, you model well um, what you've just spoken to. So thank you. Um, Josh, what would you say ultimate aim of this whole conversation? How would you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I just want people to be really uh, rightfully assessing where they're running to for their source of truth because it's going to shape the way you think about the world. And um, uh, so that's a huge kind of goal in my mind is that people would really be assessing that, especially in a, the age of social media where, um, we're just, we just kind of read headlines, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That sort of, I think, support maybe camps that we're familiar with and comfortable with. Um, and we tend to tend to weaponize all these kinds of conversations. And what I love about this conversation is I think it hopefully will challenge us to consider where we're going to for our source of truth. But, uh, this should not be a conversation that's like a weapon. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we should be moving. We've said this so many times, but I'll say it a thousand times over moving towards people. Amen. Right. I mean, if this is getting in the way of me sitting down with people who are not like me and developing relationships with them and hearing uh, where they're coming from and how they've experienced life and whatever it is, I mean, then, um, then I'm not living as Christ. Like I'm not, I'm missing something about the message of the gospel. If it's mm -hmm. pushing me away from people, yeah. if it's generating a lot more fear and isolation from people. So um, I don't know if this is the right time to do it, but this keeps coming to my mind. It's actually a book that I've read a few years ago that I wanted to recommend. Um, it's, it's actually not about this specific conversation, but there's some similar overlap in it. Um, but it's a book by Jamie Goggin and Kyle Strobel says it's called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb, uh, subtitled Searching for Jesus' Path of Power in a Church that Has Abandoned It. And it's really a, it's really more of a, a book about power and how Jesus uses that power and how the church as the way of the lamb should be using that mm -hmm. power. I feel like that's helpful in a conversation about critical theory, what's the solution, uh, because there's so much conversation around power. And yeah. so, yeah. Thank you. That's good. Dan, what's the ultimate aim? Yeah, I don't have a ton else to add. I think okay. we kind of covered it. But I, I mean, ultimately, I want um, God to be magnified and his gospel being the solution to humanity's problem, mm. whether that's an ethnic one or not. Like, And, and Christians um, should be people about justice regardless of whatever uh, qualifying word we want to put in front of justice. Yep. That's why we should care when it comes to ethnic justice. Yep. We should care about all justice. Um, and and that's an area where, like you mentioned earlier, the church has failed miserably in our history in this country. Um, so we've got to reckon with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. Well said. How about as we move to a close, I think it'd be remiss if I didn't give you each the opportunity to share any recommended resources uh, for maybe someone that listened to this, like, wow, I, I need to be challenged more. I'd go here. And I'll also give you an encouragement to maybe give any caveats or, hey, you know, I don't recommend all of this, but here's what I found helpful. So we'll just go around the room, speak to that. And then thanks again for uh, coming on this conversation episode. So, um, Dave, let's start with you. Any resources you'd recommend? Sure. One author and one book I highly recommend is George Yancey. Uh, he's a black sociologist at Baylor University right now. Uh, actually, he's going to come and speak to us on Zoom at one of our spring meetings. Awesome. And so I've had some conversation with him, and he wrote a book a few years ago called Beyond Racial Gridlock, which to me is the best way to just kind of understand in non in a non-technical, you know, not it's a pretty easy read, I think, but non-academic way of understanding four four main ways people approach race in our country, Christians or non-Christians. So He's coming out with another book this spring called Beyond Racial Division, in which he builds on that. So I'm look. I haven't had a chance to see that book yet. It's coming out in March, but uh, he, to me, he's a reliable, centered, Bible-based, but sociologically sophisticated mm -hmm. voice on this. And yeah. and I would say he's he's balanced. Um, so I would recommend uh, his. Beyond Racial Gridlock and then the new book that's coming out. Um, I, I'm sure it will be good. Uh, also, I think some of the more moderate voices in Christianity on this issue are worth reading. Um, if you just Google articles by John Piper, Tim Keller, Shai Lin, um, I could I could list some others. Uh, Esau Macaulay. Um, these are people who I think would not just throw out CRT, but would retain a, a, a healthy biblical perspective and evaluating CRT, like kind of chewing the meat and spitting out the bones kind of a mm -hmm. thing. There are other people in both directions from that moderate position that I would caution people about. I would caution people a little bit about Vody Bauckham. I know that a number of people in our church have read his book, Fault Lines, um, at least some a few that I've talked to. Uh, I've, I've read that too, and, and uh, I have some serious concerns about how he paints his opponents in that that I think are not really fair or taken out of context. So not that you shouldn't read him. He's got some valuable things to say, and on other subjects, I think he's been great. But I don't I don't consider him to be maybe the only source you should read on this, yeah. but he represents a pretty extreme anti-CRT uh, position. Um, and then others like Jamar Tisby and uh, um, founder uh, Latasha Morrison, founder of Be the Bridge, who I think have drifted in not so good ways in the direction of CRT. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of cautious about them. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, there, there are a number of people. Um, Neil Shenvey is a very, very well-researched, thoughtful person who generally is anti-CRT, but he's, he's, he's fair-minded. He'll give people credit for, for good things. If you read his book reviews, he'll, he'll say, well, now this is, this is a good concept. So I, I really, he's a trustworthy source, and there's a lot of his stuff on the web. That's good. Josh, how about you? Anything? Oh, we'll move it along to Dan. Dan. Sure. Yeah, I would, I would echo Neil Shinby. I totally agree that he's a charitable, 
critic of, of CRT. Um, shouldn't be apologetics. I don't know. We'll probably be able to put some things in the listing of this podcast or whatever. Um, and then I have a couple books. So first I'll start with a book that is written by I'm not sure if he's a believer, but it's not written from a Christian perspective. His name is Shelby Steele. Um, the book is called White Guilt, and it really opened my eyes as to he's just very insightful. And he came out of the Black Power movement, um, and so he he walked in those shoes for a long time, and then has moved into a more conservative. Um, I guess, critical view of, and he was writing before CRT was really a big thing. So reading books from him that are 25 years old, that it seems like he could have written last week. Kind of amazing how long the conversation has been going on at more academic levels than, um, but it's not a super academic book and it's not super long either. Um, But just how, when the, the premise is when America during the civil rights movement had to reckon with the racism of the last couple hundred years and admit how awful we were that, we lost all moral authority and how a lot of what now passes for um, trying to help black people is just trying to regain our moral authority. And it's from the white guilt of losing moral authority. So he gives examples of I'll just a real quick one, um, like Harvard lowering standards to bring more black people into their university. And then they go around patting themselves on the back because they've got higher numbers of black students. Meanwhile, the black students were not prepared for the academic rigors of Harvard. So their GPAs, their dropout rates are astronomically higher. So they've, they've harmed a lot of black students mm-hmm. while patting themselves on the black on the back. Um, so he's got examples and stuff like that. And then just kind of weaves in his own personal story. So helpful book. And then from a Christian perspective, I mentioned it earlier. It's by Thaddeus Williams, and it's called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. And I would put him kind of in that Neil Shinby category mm-hmm. of um, being a charitable critic, um, mm-hmm. good tone, but firm on the truth. And um, I think he's a helpful guide in this situation, too. So, yeah, okay. I would add my recommendation on both those books. I'm That's familiar great. with both of them. Okay. Yeah, great sources. Thank you. Um, Dan and Dave, appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast mm-hmm. today. Very much appreciate it. So, um, could I right. just say that I would welcome Please. conversations with people anytime about this? Yeah, I, I love it. And, uh, so please hit me up for coffee or something and be glad to talk more. And if you have concerns about what I've said, give me a chance to explain myself. And thank you. You might still disagree with me, but I think we can have a, <laughs> a good, uh, uplifting conversation. Yes. And that, thank you for just saying that that's the heartbeat of all of this is that it promotes and prompts real conversations that are charitable, that are filled with grace and truth. We Mm. really need each other as a church family to sharpen each other, to be discerning, to hold fast to the gospel once for all time delivered, like all of it. We need each other not to be in our little echo chambers or isolation. And just like Josh said, just reading headlines on social media, that does not do your soul any good or your brothers and sisters in Christ any good. I think it's well said because a good, good point to maybe end on is that yeah. like just having the conversations is so important in our day and age because unless you're living at the utter extremes and you're really angry about it like you can just so easily write people off like oh i know where they stand but if you yep. if you just talk to them you realize that people are they're a lot closer than you think you know maybe yeah. than you realize at mm-hmm. least that's my perception when mm-hmm. i talk to people Amen. is you're de- you're definitely maybe on a different end you know of the shade of the spectrum at different times. But, uh, man, I feel like I've often just thought, man, these people are not as far apart as you think they are. Yes. Yeah. More um, of this, please. 
Yeah. Yes, totally. So, Amen. so just throw, you should throw like Dave Martin's email in the show notes and Dan's and if they're willing and people can reach out to them. Good idea. Perfectly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on Life Together. Again, if this um, prompts any questions, ideas, concerns, all of it, we want to hear from you. And you can do that by reaching out to me at mike at greshambible.org. Love you, Gresham Bible Church. Until next week. Thank you.